Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Loners League podcast. This is your host, Wolfman27, and we have a jam-packed episode today. We've got our first weekly challenge winner, new power rankings from the worst manager of the week, waivers, and last but not least, we bring on the final Loners League rookie for a formal introduction. There's a lot to cover, so let's just jump right in, starting with our weekly challenge winner. Adam Jeffrey 86 proposed this idea to give out various awards each week based on different challenges. The reward for these challenges is unclear still, but a shout out for this accomplishment on the podcast is priceless, so that's just going to have to do for now. Our first challenge was the Overachiever Award, which goes to the team that scored the most points over their sleeper projection total. And the winner is Adam Jeffrey. Hold on, really? This award thing was his idea and he just so happens to win the first challenge? Very suspicious. Nonetheless, Adam Jeffrey had an amazing week one for the second year in a row, this time thanks to big performances from Mostert, Crowder, and, of course, Lamar Jackson. Congrats, Adam Jeffrey. Here's hoping this isn't the peak of your season this time around. In addition to weekly challenges, we have another new feature in the league as suggested by our own Koi's 302 Weekly Power Rankings. But didn't we already do that, Episode 1? Yes, we did, but there's a twist this time. Whoever's awarded the Worst Manager of the Week by Sleeper will have to create power rankings with small blurbs for each team for the week. You can be as creative as you like with these, from ranking based off pure strength of team to ranking based off of random things like which team would be the most fun to hang out with in real life. If anyone is awarded Worst Manager of the Week and does not want to do power rankings for whatever reason, that's okay. This isn't a dictatorship. I can create power rankings during any week a team manager opts out of making them themselves. That's not to say the chat won't give you some backlash for it, though. As for Week 1, our Worst Manager was JDGG, and he was willing to step up to the plate. So without further ado... Here are the week two power rankings brought to you by Dr. JDGGMD. Please remember the following are JDGG's words, not mine, so please do not hold me accountable. Coming in at number 12 is Sibley the Best. This is the second time we've seen our poor friend from across the pond in the last spot in the power rankings. First it was Fournette, now it's Michael Thomas with a high ankle injury. That combined with poor depth is what lands Sibley in the 12th spot, even with a great defense like Baltimore. Next up at 11, we have Jambrosa. This team has overall solid starters. The RB core is mid-tier, but the wide receivers are promising, and they still have a good quarterback in Dak Prescott and a great Steelers defense to back it up. At number 10, we have none other than Jmart05. While Jmart has good starters... He has poor depth at all positions, and that's what drops him down on the rankings this time around. Going on to the single digits, we have our first shocker at number 9, No Sleep Tonight. While No Sleep has good receivers, his quarterback and running backs are in poor offensive line situations, which is why he finds himself lower in these rankings this week. 
At number eight, we have the good Dr. J.D. Gigi himself. He has an elite quarterback. I believe he's required to call Russell that as a Seahawks fan. As well as great wide receivers, but the running back situation he finds himself in is bad with a slew of injuries to Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and of course, Marlon Mack. On top of that, he has a low-tiered tight end and needs to stream a defense each week. Moving on to rank 7, we have Fonet, or Fonet, however we pronounce it these days. While Fonet has solid starters at every position, as well as an elite tight end, he does not have a lot of depth to back it up. Which then brings us to the first team in the top half of the rankings, which is Aaron T4 coming in at number 6. Love the Kyler and Nuke stack, as well as having solid starters at wide receiver and running back. The tight end is mid-tier, however, and this team has low depth in general, which is why it wasn't ranked higher. Number 5 is none other than myself, Wolfman27. Behind a pair of rookie running backs with big workloads, our solid wide receiver core and depth with a dependable quarterback in Stafford and a passable tight end in Tyler Higby. Going on to the top four now, we have Adam Jeffrey 86. This team is a solid overall foundation behind an elite quarterback in Lamar Jackson. A key component to Adam Jeffrey's success going forward will be if and when Kenny Galladay comes back into his lineup though. At spot three, we have Coy's 302. Coy's has himself an elite tight end and an elite quarterback. That's right, it's not just me that thinks Rodgers is still elite. If you don't believe me, go watch the Packers week one game. This team also has a great wide receiver core and passable running backs to get by, praying that Connor can stay healthy. Going on to our top two. Coming in second is Fisher Sports. Wow, the second time Fisher comes just short of that number one spot. Fisher has depth at quarterback with a whopping three of them and good running backs with depth as well. He also now has a promising tight end after moving on from Dan Arnold, and his wide receiver starters are good, but the depth behind them is lackluster. This means that coming in at number one is the one and only J.M. Pincus. Why? Well, I'll tell you, the running back core is elite. Look no further than week one. Zeke and Jacobs combined for somewhere between 50 and 60 points or something crazy like that. Just the two of them alone are formidable. Add in solid players at quarterback and wide receiver, a promising tight end, and mild depth at each position, you have yourself the top-ranking team. There you have it, folks. A big thanks to JDGG for playing along and submitting these power rankings. Again, if you have any issues with these rankings, please forward all correspondence to JDGG in Mexico. Next on the agenda, I'm going to bring on the brand new member of our league, Jmart05, who took over Tedro's old team. We get to know our token Cowboys fan a little bit better, as well as review the top waiver editions of the week, and then we close out the episode with our first ever Loners League upset picks of the week. Hope you all enjoy, and I apologize in advance for some of the audio hiccups that occurred during the recording. And with me now, we have our last rookie of the league, and that is Jmart05. How are you doing today, Jmart? Doing good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. We were talking just before we were recording. We're both a little bit tired today, so if we say anything too crazy, we're just going to blame it on lack of sleep. Exactly. All right, great. Well, we know you through 
our very own Fisher Sports, and of course, Diego, who we talked to just a couple episodes ago. Now, um, do I have it right? You guys all go to the same college together then? Uh, I used to. I went to ASU for one year uh, back in 2018. Uh, I met Fisher first. Um, they're at our like college uh, church. Um, I haven't met Diego in real life, though, so I only know him through fantasy as of right now. Wow, what a coincidence. Same here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so then do you still live in the Arizona area or because where are you from originally? I am from central California, like right almost dead center. It's um, a few like small country towns that are around where I live. Um, Turlock, California, Modesto, California, um Houston California that's where I'm from and that's actually where I live right now um I moved to Arizona from California back in like 2016 and I was there for like three years with my family um I was at community college first uh, and then I went to Arizona 2018 my family came back here uh I didn't have the best time at ASU regarding like grades and my major so I decided to change it and then move back to my hometown which has a university it's smaller you know more laid back um and a little bit cheaper than what ASU was so it made sense financially for me to come back yeah that's honestly smart um I think we're all starting to figure that out when it comes to student loans and everything uh, so yeah. I don't blame you at all kind of wish I did that or at least did community college like my first couple of years cuz Student loan payments each month are not fun. Uh, I'll tell you that much. But, uh, well, that's cool. You're back in California. Then I have to ask, how are you a huge Cowboys fan if you're from California where you had plenty of teams to choose from? Yeah, um, it's my dad. It, he He's the one who actually got almost his entire immediate family and then us, his kids, and my mom, all to be Cowboys fans. Um, he said he became a Cowboys fan because of Tom Landry. And um, he also just hated San Francisco and Oakland. And he did not want to be a fan of any of those other teams. So he decided to go with Dallas. Gotcha. That's actually kind of funny because he hates Oakland. But one of my uncles is a huge Cowboys fan just because I think he was a bandwagon fan back in the day. And uh, he also really likes the Raiders. So he actually is like a dual fan of both of them. And also secretly a Bears fan because he lives in Illinois, but he'll never admit it. Yeah. My brother-in-law that my oldest sister just married, he's a Raiders fan. So uh, we, at least my mom, my sister, and me, we sort of let down our hate towards the Raiders. And uh, sometimes we root for them because of him. Yeah, well, just don't tell your dad then. You don't want him to get upset yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, so then going from real football to fantasy, I like to ask everyone, when did you first get into fantasy football and how did you get to the point you are today where you're in multiple leagues and you're just addicted to it? Yeah. Uh, so this season actually marks my 10-year anniversary of playing fantasy football. Congratulations. I started out when I was 12 years old. Wow. No. I don't even remember how old I was. I definitely wasn't 12. I was older, but uh, don't know the exact age. So that's impressive. Yeah. Um, 
and then in my first year, so my I had a friend. I was in junior high. I think tenth. I think it was tenth grade. Um, I was an early student, so I was twelve years old in tenth grade. Um, one of my friends, he was talking to me about fantasy football. About I think in May, like right before this was ninth grade. So in May of my ninth grade of like 2010 um he was talking to me about fantasy football and that I should get into it and I was like all right you know and my dad was already in a league with uh, a lot of other older veteran guys who went to our uh, hometown church and he had a spot open and so I was like all right I want to join um and in my first year I ended up winning the championship uh, I beat my dad in fact and so that was pretty pretty fun a fun That's first incredible. year for me. yeah i beat my dad by a point i oh. remember oh man i remember the reason why is cuz i picked up joe webb the vikings quarterback that was in for after brett Favre got hurt um and he was listed as a wide receiver and a quarterback so i was able to put him into my flex as a wide receiver and he scored like 15 points and then that's what gave me the victory. Yeah. It's like you're playing a super flex league without a super flex. That's, that's smart. I love the strategy there that had to hurt for him, but at the same time, I'm sure he was proud. He's like, wow, I've raised a a prodigy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm in a couple leagues with my dad and actually um, last year we faced each other in the playoffs in both leagues and I won in one league against him and he beat me in the other. And we both went on to win the championship in the different leagues. So pretty happy with that. Um, Yeah. And for some reason, no matter how, like, no matter how good my team is in the regular season, he always beats me every single time. And it annoys me. (laughs) But if you can beat him in the postseason, that matters so much more. Yeah. He did get me, um, I think it was in 2013, no, 2014. And then that was after the second time I played him in championship. So I beat him twice in the championship, once in 2010 and 2013, and then he beat me in 2014. And then in 2018, uh, this was, it was, I had one of the best teams in the league. I had the first seed. I was 10-3. and three. I had one of the best rosters, and I've been like, I was outscoring everybody almost every single week. My dad, he barely snuck into the playoffs at seven and six, and his guys just went off. And my guys put up a dud in the semifinals, and I lost. And he ended up winning the championship that year, too. That's funny because that in the one league that I lost to my dad last year, it was the same exact thing. He barely made the playoffs, and I was the number one seed. I think I only had one loss throughout the whole regular season. And it was just like you just described. All of his players just blew up. He had like probably 200 points or something crazy like that, and I lost because of it. But wasn't too upset because luckily I had the other league where I was able to beat him, so we were even. Uh, yeah, this year I'm in two leagues with him, so we, we still have the, the normal regular Yahoo League, which is just redraft. And then I also got him involved into a Dynasty Sleeper League. So oh. we're in two leagues right now. And I actually play him this week in my Dynasty League. 
that's wow. Again, I'm facing my dad. It's in a redraft though. I haven't been able to convince him to switch over to a dynasty yet, but that's one of my goals. I want him to play dynasty at some point, but he invests so much time just into the, the redraft leagues, like studying for waivers and everything (laughs) right before Wednesday night, he gets up like, first thing Wednesday morning to check who the free agents are that are available to try and snag them before the other people can get to them. So I'm kind of worried to see what he'd be like in a dynasty league, but I think he'd enjoy it. Yeah. And my dad, he, he is so good with matchups. Like he, he knows, I don't know how, but he knows like which guys are going to have like the best possible matchup. He is so good with that. And it annoys me. Wow, Ben, uh, you need to have him send us those tips just for our own <laughs> matchups. <laughs> we need him to do like a starter sit column for us. Should. Yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to bring up here, it, it would be, I'd be remiss to ignore it, but you just shared some of your artwork in our chat too. So I follow you on Instagram because from our other league, I knew that you've been drawing different NFL players and things like that. And you're good at it. So I just want to know, you mentioned in the league chat, you kind of taught yourself through YouTube and everything. So how long have you been drawing for? I can't say exactly how long. Um, it's been since I was a kid. So, so when uh, I think Finding Nemo came out, that was, my, that was like my big movie that I absolutely loved. And... I just started drawing like the the characters from all the like Finding Nemo and then all the other Disney movies and then when Cars came out, uh, my parents like after a few years of drawing and doodling and just doing that, my parents allowed me to draw on my walls and we painted like all the Cars uh, characters on my wall. That's awesome. So I would say maybe 17 years of what I know that I've been drawing. Um, and then I've gotten into realism, which is what I do now, uh, like for the past five years, like 2015 was like the year that I started getting into realism and like drawing portraits. So my big thing is portraits. Yeah, and they look good. That's the one thing I've always been scared of in drawing. So I started probably grade school and it's kind of similar to you where you were drawing Finding Nemo characters. I would always uh, doodle SpongeBob characters, like all of the SpongeBob characters. I would just keep repeatedly drawing them and everything. So I've always kind of stayed in that cartoon style lane. And uh, whenever I tried mostly like the face for people, that was always super intimidating to me because I know if you do like one thing slightly off, it doesn't even look like the person you're trying to draw. So yeah. was that ever like a difficulty for you or was that something you had to overcome when you started drawing? Uh, faces have been relatively easy for me. Like I'm pretty good at um, eyeballing it and able to sort of do the correct proportions. Um, but hands hands are the things that i hate like the the type of hands are the body part that i hate drawing the most that's pretty common uh 
my my wife's an art teacher actually so she's taken a ton of art classes and i think that's like the the hardest thing to draw apparently so yeah like that and that's why you see me doing a lot of portraits just um like chest chest up um and hair hair is another thing that i am not good at um like one of because one of my favorite um subjects to draw is women i like to draw women a lot and then football players so those are the two main subjects that i draw but hair man it is so difficult for me but i have gotten better over the last few years um so i'm sort of happy to see that improvement over the past few years yeah well luckily for you half of your drawings the people are wearing helmets so you don't have to worry about it at all yeah but then the other half tend to have a lot of hair so it kind of evens out i guess yeah i do prefer like drawing brunettes because it's a little bit easier to you know just do the lines darker lines blondes are a little bit harder for me but i did a recent one of a blonde uh model but um and her hair looks it was supposed to be like sort of wet so it was a little bit darker um and I was kind of happy how it turned out, but it's still, I still need a little bit of work on hair. Yeah, well, we love seeing the work you do. So whenever you're proud of something you're drawing, feel free to just share a picture in the chat. We have a few artsy people, like we have J.M. Pinkus, who's been making the logos for everyone too. And we'll probably get him on sometime soon. I'm hoping for next week we can make that work. So I just love seeing all the creativity we have going around. But um, speaking of the league, just wondering, how have you been enjoying it so far now that we're through one week officially? I love how active the league is. I absolutely love it. Like, and especially before the season, was, season started, you know, as opposed to a trade school, how we would go months without getting a word on our trade offers. You know, everybody in the chat is, you know, having fun. Um, either talking smack or just sharing other stuff. It's fun. I like it. And I hope to be in this league for however long it goes. Yeah, I, uh, I've said this before, but I never imagined how successful it would be. So obviously I'm the one steering the ship now at this point. So I will run it as long as there's an interest. So I think we have a great group, group of people. It's been awesome getting to know everyone. And I'm actually surprised that we haven't really seen a trade yet. I think we had the one for Sony Michelle for some fab, like before the season started, but I don't really count that. So I'm, I'm waiting for the first trade to show up. I know you've been working on a couple, haven't you? I've been working on some. I got, a, I got the door slammed on me twice today. <laughs> but I expected that. Um, I have two more, or I have two offers that are outstanding right now, um, but I expect them to get rejected too. But yeah, yeah. I'm trying to trying to get free from uh, Deontay Johnson just so I can have a different wide receiver in that spot because um, I already have Juju, and I want someone else who can get me some points and won't compete with Juju for targets and touchdowns and points it's always the most frustrating thing having those two receivers competing for the same targets and uh you got to just hope that big ben has a good game and 
there's no rushing touchdowns <laughs> and they're all passing and that they go to your guys. Uh, but yeah. I'm sure that it's just a matter of finding the right value. And sometimes that gets easier as the season goes on and we get more familiar with how each of the players are. So we get a better gauge of their value, but I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to move one sooner or later. Yeah. But uh, going on to your team then, other than those two receivers, I know you started out 0-1, so not the best start. But how are you liking your team so far? Is there anything you think you need to improve on that you're looking for in these trades? Uh, kind of. I think probably running back depth would be probably my main issue with this team. I mean, I do have Eckler and Chubb, though they did not have like the best – week one no i'd say they did the opposite they totally bombed on you yeah i i hope obviously that they have a bounce back i do expect eckler to get going again and then i don't know what was going on with cleveland chubb but yeah that was the the record uh low of amount of uh, snaps that he saw I believe it was around 41 percent or something like that I remember seeing online so that's concerning but hopefully it was just a Baltimore defense thing and yeah. Cincinnati shouldn't be as bad in that regard at least and same for Eckler's got Kansas City so they'll probably be behind and hopefully we'll be throwing more and he can get some catches that way but yeah, yeah that was concerning Eckler only got what one one catch or something like that I think it was. I think it was just like one catch. Yeah, just one, yeah, one target, one reception, three yards. So that's, yeah. and that's his bread and butter. So they aren't using him like that. That's concerning. And yeah. Yeah, In I'll be watching that game Thursday since it's the primetime game. I didn't get to see any of the actual game footage. So it'll be interesting to see what that Chargers team looks like. But I have heard only bad things about uh, Terod Taylor. So yeah, he, he looked horrible. Well, let's hope you have some better luck this week. You're going up against our very own Phonet slash Phone um, who has updated his team to a French name uh, to make fun of Sibley's pronunciation of the name, which I think you ended up voting for um, Phonet's accent, right? Over Sibley's? Yeah. Yeah. You West Coast people have a, are really infatuated with the Australian slash English hybrid accent that he has. Yeah. So it might hurt to bring him down, but hopefully you can so you can get a little bounce back there. And um, before we talk a little bit more about our matchups, waivers did just run through this morning. So I just wanted to go through the bids that we had actual dollar bids on. We're going to skip past all the $0 bid transactions because they're not as exciting. And uh, we're just going to start right at the top. I want to get your thoughts here on Naeem Hines, who JDGG ended up getting, and he spent $40. That's uh, <laughs> made sure he got him at least. So what do you think about that one? I love the pickup. I just don't, I don't like how much he spent. Right. Yeah, that's almost half of the budget. But uh, he was a little bit worried because he has running back depth issues, kind of like a lot of people in the league. Um, he had Miles Sanders out with an injury last week, and then his backup, Boston Scott, gets injured in that game. And then he had Marlon Mack originally, and now he's out for the season. So he yeah. saw Naeem Hines was probably his best option, and he just wanted to make sure he got him. So it is a lot of money, but hopefully it pays off for him. 
Um, in my case, since I have Jonathan Taylor, I hope that it doesn't pay off for him, and I hope Taylor gets all the work. But the the next highest bid was twenty five by Fonet, so he didn't have to do quite as much, but made sure he got him. And the only two people that didn't bid on Hines were J.M. Pincus and Sibley. So I always like seeing that when we have almost everyone bid on one player. It's funny. I I felt good about my bid. <laughs> it turns out I got way outbid for Hines. Yeah, that's the – especially since you're new to the league too, it's hard to gauge how people will bid until you've seen how they bid. So I think Sibley found that out firsthand because he had the next highest transaction. He did not bid on Hines, but he did bid on Adrian Peterson, and he spent $35 on him. And uh, now there was another bid at least. Um, JDGG also bid on Adrian Peterson for just $9. But 35 bucks for AP, how do you feel about that one? I don't like that at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, he did have a solid – you know, week one game, but I do not expect him to be the guy going forward, probably like going down the stretch. I do expect Swift to take over that role of starting running back. Uh, but man, 35 for how old is he? 35. 35 year old Adrian. Yeah. So a dollar for every year that he's lived. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch the full Bears game. I only caught the very end. But from what my family has told me, since they are Bears fans, I guess Adrian Peterson did look good. Um, We'll see if he can keep that up, though. Uh, With his age, I could see him tailing off. And then you factor in that they also do have Swift and they do have carry on. I guess it probably helps AP a little bit that Swift dropped that easy touchdown at the end. And with Matt Patricia, who knows, maybe he'll put him in the doghouse, but I can't imagine he'll stay in there that long. Um, Yeah. For Sibley's sake, I hope it works out for him. Um, Yeah. I know he had some depth issues too, especially with the four net being traded to Tampa. Well, not traded. He was cut and then signed by Tampa. And uh, maybe four net can get going there. Maybe AP will be a way to like bide time until Fournette can kind of secure that Tampa position and maybe it'll end up looking better for it. All right. Well, that's enough time spent on AP. Uh, let's go to another running back here. Benny Snell went for $22. Uh, we had six bids on Snell and he went to Coy's 302. This one made sense. Coy's has James Conner. James Conner, known for being fragile, ends up getting injured first thing in Monday night's game. And uh, he did what he had to do to make sure he could at least fulfill that running back position if Conner's out on Sunday. And he honestly had a good bid for it too because J.M. Pincus was next highest with $20, so he just edged him out. Yeah, I like this move a lot, like you said, because Conner got hurt. I Pretty much, I guess, everybody knew that Connor was going to end up on the sideline eventually at some point this season. Um, but Snell was a great move. I didn't bid for him because I was so confident in getting Hines. Um, but I really, really liked that move by Coys. Oh, you learned your lesson. So next yeah. time, just put in the bid just in case and just yeah. arrange your priority so it doesn't go through if, if you get yeah. the other person. But exactly. uh, yeah, good on Coys for getting him. Uh, he said he was upset he didn't draft Snell since he had Connor, but live and learn. He ended up getting him anyways. And Snell actually looked good on Monday. Um, 
you know, he's not really involved in the passing work as much as Connor would be, but he looked pretty good on the ground, um, which is a lot coming from me because I wasn't the biggest fan of Benny Snell. I've trash talked him in the past, but yeah. I'll give him his due. He looked good. If he can keep it up, that'll be great. Um, yeah. Now the next one hurt me personally because next highest bid was Paris Campbell who went for $21 to phone he got me back because I beat him in week one, and now he beat me in bidding for Campbell, who I really liked and was hoping to pick up. I bid $18 on him, so he beat me out by just $3. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I really like Paris Campbell. It was nice to see him be productive right away with Phillip Rivers, especially after he got injured early last year. And I think that Phillip Rivers isn't going to be afraid to throw it to him, and I, I like that pickup by Fone. What do you think? Yeah, same same thoughts. Uh, I like Campbell as a as a player. He looks like he's gonna get some solid production. Probably not out of this world production, but it's looking like Philip Rivers will be uh, targeting him quite a bit. He looks like he got nine a good nine targets in week one. So that's a pretty decent pickup for Tony. Yeah, I know. I think. Hilton was around the same amount of targets, but Paris Campbell came around with like uh, the better point end of the bargain at least. And uh, because he got Campbell, I came away with my consolation prize of Preston Williams. I bid $13 on him, which was an overpay because no one else wanted him. So, and I will also mention that the last two claims, Paris Campbell and Preston Williams were both cuts by J.M. Pincus because he had to fill his last two roster positions and couldn't get any trades done. So I guess that's props to him on having a good draft since he had to cut two people that were picked up a week later. Uh, how yeah. do you feel about Preston Williams? Uh, since I was the only one that bid on him, we know how I feel, but how about yourself? I don't know. This one's tough for me because like he, I think he's more boomer bust, um, especially given the Dolphins' quarterback situation right now. Um, though he is seeing a lot of targets and um, giving him the benefit of the doubt, he did play the Patriots in the opener. So um, I could see some upside with him. Um, I just don't like the Dolphins quarterback situation as of right now, though I did just hear that Parker re-aggravated his hamstring injury, so that could help Preston Williams out a little bit more moving forward. Yeah, and that's what made me push my bid up a little bit was seeing that Parker was a little banged up, but I do agree. I'm with you. I'm not the biggest fan of the Dolphins' offense in general, and if Tua takes over, who knows how he'll be with Williams or not. It could go good or bad when that happens. But I was okay with adding him to the back of my bench because I did like what I saw from him last year. So I'm still hopeful that he'll end up paying off. And uh, time will tell, I guess. But our last bid here that was above $0 was Dallas Goddard, who went for $6 to Adam Jeffrey, and he outbid Fisher by just $1. After all that talk about Dan Arnold being the tight end to own, Fisher's still trying to go after these free agent tight ends. Yep. Yeah. And I, I like this. I was going to say, as the uh, Ertz owner, how do you feel about seeing the other tight end get picked up here? I was going to try to pick him up, 
um, at first I had, cause I had Ayuk on my IR and I was going to try to pick him up and just slot him in into my extra empty slot. But, um, Ayuk, he got off the injured reserver being, um, designated as out. So I had to then cancel my waiver because I was trying to get Heinz. Um, but what I was going to try to do, I was going to try to pick him up and use either him or Ertz as a trade bait. Because um, right now it looks like Goddard is going to get most of Wentz's targets because Ertz is having some issues with the Eagles' uh, front office. And obviously as an Ertz owner, it pains me to see him get all that, all those targets. But I still feel okay with Ertz. Um, but after what's been going on with him, I'm a little bit shaky on him just a little bit. Yeah, that's always been the thing. We kind of saw the same thing last year with the two of them switching off as well. I think Ertz started to come off a little bit stronger towards the end of the season, but at least as long as the Eagles have just a bunch of injured receivers, I think both tight ends will have value, but, um, yeah, it is frustrating to see as an Ertz owner, I'm sure. That's why it's also frustrating as a Goddard owner. I never know if it's okay to start him or not. Will this be a good week or will it be an Ertz week? So that's always kind of annoying too. So I kind of hope Ertz does get traded somewhere so that they can both just be stud tight ends on different teams. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping too. Because he only had like seven targets, which is not bad, but he only caught three of them. But he did catch a touchdown, so... So he ended up with a decent day anyways, at least yeah. tight end standards. Yeah, not too bad. All right. Well, that'll clear our waiver review here. Now I wanted to do something that I haven't done before on the podcast. I wanted to take a look at our week two matchups here, and then each one of us, we're going to pick our upset of the week. So we're going to look up at the sleeper projections and – try and choose a team we think will actually end up winning, even if they have a lower projection. So I'm going to have you start us off. Who did you pick as your upset of the week? So I am picking analysis paralysis, no sleep tonight. I think that, so right now he's projected to lose by two points. Um, But when I'm looking at his team, I really, really like the matchups, especially, um, Saquon Barkley, I don't think he's going to have another bad game as what he had last week. Um, and I believe, so Chicago, they allowed Peterson to go for, what, 90, 93 or 95 yards, as well as they were allowing Swift to pretty much get a few catches, and he was able to get into the end zone. I think a reception touchdown, either reception or, or rushing. So. I don't think Barkley's going to have as good of a rushing game as Peterson did because of his O-line, but I do think he'll have a pretty decent day receiving the ball. Um, Thielen, I'm looking at him to continue what he did in week one. Maybe not as good, but um, he is Minnesota's number one, clear number one. Um, And then Darren Waller. Uh, I think New Orleans allowed a good 
solid day from OJ Howard. So I think Waller has a good matchup right there. And then I also think that Mark Ingram will have an, a bounce back game against Houston. Didn't do too well versus, um, what was it, Cleveland? But I do think he'll have a bounce back game. Um, and then on Jim Brosa's side, I still don't trust Mixon at all, um, especially given that they have a rookie quarterback. And who knows if they'll you know, be able to move the ball as well as their line is absolutely crap. Um, Zach Moss, it looks like he was pretty touchdown dependent in week one. So I, so he only rushed the ball for like nine times for 11 yards, caught three or four targets for 16 yards, but he had that touchdown. So I don't expect him to have that much of a good day because I think Singletary will also take the reins back um, versus Miami. I'm hoping Robinson does have a solid game because I have I have him in another league. Or Robinson might have a decent day against New York. Lockett, I don't I'm not high on Lockett, um, but he does get solid targets. Rugs, I don't know if he's still hurt right now. Yeah, Rugs but... and uh, Kittle too. Uh, I think those are the those are two big things that might hurt Jim Brosa in this matchup. Yeah, just looking at. Overall, I expect Barkley, Jones, Waller, Ingram, I, and Thielen, I expect all of those guys to be no sleeves, like biggest um, scorers this week. Um, we'll see how Wentz does versus the Rams. He didn't look too solid against Washington, but pretty much I think a lot of these guys on no sleeves team are going to have a, a lot of bounce back games. Yeah, I I love the pick. I mean, just going back to when I first ranked everyone, I had No Sleep as the top team, uh, mostly despite Fisher Sports, but I really like his team. And that's uh, not meant as a jab at Jambrosa at all here. I think he does have a shot, but everything you mentioned are definitely valid reasons for concern. And uh, he does have a nice group here of rookie running backs now with Zach Moss, Gibson, and Kelly. If one of those guys can eventually break out just a little bit more. I think Jambrosa, we could see him having a bounce back week at some point and then maybe creating some upsets of his own. Yeah, I think I agree. Probably down the stretch, we'll probably see more from Zach Moss, Gibson probably, and Kelly. Kelly did score a touchdown in week one too. It looked like he pretty solidly productive with 60 yards and a touchdown and rushing it for 12 times. Yeah, um, I'm sure that hurt to see as the Eckler owner. Yeah, that did. <laughs> well, for my upset, and I'm going to come off as a hater here, but I am picking Adam Jeffrey to take down the tradesman himself, Fisher Sports. Now, I know I just mentioned how I ranked Fisher as number two in my original power rankings, just to spite him, but I actually do think there is a case for Adam Jeffrey here. So they're projected pretty even currently. Uh, Fisher's like just under four points favored right now. But Christian McCaffrey is going up against Tampa Bay. And as much as I don't like the Bucks, and I think they're completely overrated, their running defense is actually pretty good. And they were the ones responsible for Christian McCaffrey's one bust game last season. So that could happen again in that divisional matchup. 
Kenyon Drake's going up against the Washington football team, who we just saw against Philadelphia had a great defensive game. So that could limit his upside as well as with Chase Edmonds being involved, could also cap Drake's upside a little bit. Uh, Godwin is now in concussion protocol. So who knows if he's able to play against Carolina. Granted, if he does manage to be able to play, I do like that matchup. So that could be somewhere where Fisher could make up some ground. Um, and then also Parker has uh, injury issues we already touched on a little yeah. bit earlier. So with those question marks, I think there's room for Adam Jeffrey to be able to have a good week against Fisher here and pull off the upset, especially with Lamar Jackson against Houston. I, we just saw Lamar <laughs> destroy Cleveland, and I'm not a big fan of Houston's defense either. So he could almost pull it off himself. And Jamison Crowder was the only guy being thrown to for the Jets. He's pretty much their entire offense. And on the other side of that same matchup, Mostert against the Jets, I kind of like that matchup too. So I think things will roll Adam Jeffries' way, at least for this week. Sorry, Fisher, to be against you again, but I promise it's just a rivalry thing. (laughs) What do you think about that pick? I like it. I I can agree with your pick there. I expect Todd Gurley, as much as it pains me to say it, I expect him to have a great game versus Dallas. The defense, the rushing defense looks so bad against the Rams. And honestly, I don't expect the Rams to have a top rushing offense this season. And just how easily they were able to run it down the throats of Dallas's defense as well with Vander Esch and Sean Lee missing a lot of time, I could see Gurley going off in this game. Oh, and we can even add a narrative to it. He just saw his former backup, Malcolm Brown, have a great game against Dallas, and he's thinking, I have to show him up. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I do have Gurley in another league, too, so it wouldn't be too bad. But, man, that defense, the Dallas defense, it did not look good. Um, Crowder, though, i not sure if he might do too well, though. Like what you said, he probably mainly like the main person on their offense, especially after Bell goes down with a hamstring injury. Um, I just like the Niners' defense a lot versus the Jets. Um, but I still agree with your pick. I... I really like it. I think Adam Jeffrey is going to have a chance to pull off that upset over Fisher, which we both really hope. Yeah, Low and key. since you weren't here last season, but pretty much every week I was big on Adam Jeffrey's team. I was like, this is the week that they're going to pull it together and they're going to pull off the win because he peaked in week one last year and then had the worst string of bad luck. <laughs> and he ended up being like one of the lower win total teams at the end of the season. So I guess it's kind of tradition at this point. Maybe I'm jinxing him by picking this, but sorry, that's how I feel still. So if Adam Jeffrey loses, he can blame it on me. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to clean up the slate of the things I had to talk about. But before we wrap anything up, did you have anything you wanted to say to the league or any smack talk you want to get in before we leave? Um, yeah, to the, let's see, J.M. Pincus and uh, let's see, 
Oh, and no sleep. I actually made a trade offer to him. They both rejected me. I hate them both. I'm just kidding, but uh, <laughs> not really. Uh, yeah, they both rejected me, and uh, now we got some bad blood going into the rest of the year, even after Pincus, uh He just beat me, too, so made myself a little bit of a rival there. Well, there you go. So next time you run into either one of them, they better watch their backs because yeah. they didn't trade you, and now it's over for them. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'm going to let you go and uh, hope to have you on again soon sometime. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And uh, good luck in, with beating your dad this week as well. Yes, I'm going to need it. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later, man. And I'm back for one last update here. We had a trade come in literally right after I finished recording with J-Mart. So I just want to review that really quickly here. It was actually a trade between our guest J-Mart and our worst manager that did our power rankings, JDGG. So J-Mart was able to finally unload one of his Pittsburgh receivers in Deontay Johnson, and he paired him up with Nick Chubb to receive Miles Sanders and Odell Beckham Jr. back in return. Overall, I say this is pretty much an even trade. I do tend to lean more towards J Mart's side, mostly being that I do like Miles Sanders slightly more than Chubb due to his work in the passing game. Of course, Chubb does have less concerns with injury risk, but the thing I also like about Miles Sanders is he'll actually have the option to be kept as a third round pick next year, whereas Chubb would be kept as a first. So he's able to upgrade at that position a little bit there and then take a shot in the dark at Odell Beckham Jr., who looked awful all of last year, and he looked awful just this past week. But if he can start at least making some sort of comeback and becoming relevant again, that could be a huge bonus for J-Mart in the wide receiver core, and he no longer has to worry about the Steelers duo receivers being started every week. On the flip side, I do like what JDGG did as well. So he added some more stability at running back, which he was concerned with because he already had a lot of injuries. Adding Nick Chubb, who even if I am slightly higher on Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb might be slightly safer because he doesn't have the injury risk and because the Eagles offensive line did not look good at all in that first week. And on the other end, he moves on from Odell Beckham Jr. to Deontay Johnson, who we did see get a substantial amount of targets, even though he looked shaky in the first half of that game on Monday. He could end up starting to break out even more. And if so, on the keeper aspect of things, Deontay Johnson will be able to be kept as a ninth rounder next year. So both sides get some good value when it comes to keepers. And honestly, again, overall, very even solid trade. I'll be happy to see how that plays out. All right, that'll be all for this week, though, now officially. And I'll see you all in the chat. I'm looking for that lonely street. I've got a sad, sad tale to tell. I need a place to go and weep. Where's this place?